Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So nice to see you all here today and welcome church online as well. Um, if I've never had an opportunity to meet you, my name is Matt. I'm our Bayville campus pastor here at New Beginnings. I'm excited to bring the word tonight and to start our Christmas series. It is that time of the year. Amen. Believe it or not, it's crazy, but it, we are in December. Unfortunately, the weather's starting to feel like it. But Christmas is coming, and our series is called This is Christmas, and this is the first week. And that's such a powerful story, and I'm going to be talking about that in a little bit, really, of the whole message of that story. And I love that song we sang, too, Hark the, Her- Hark the Herald Angels Sing Tongue Twister, uh, for me. Glory to the newborn king. And that is what each and every one of us, really, is what are intended for our life, is to bring glory to Jesus. Amen. That's really what we should be all intending to do is bring glory to Jesus. And this is the season that many of us, many people, look forward to each and every year. There's just something about this season. People are more generous. People are a little more joyful. People also are a little more open, especially open to hearing about Jesus, which is most important. People's hearts get a little more softened during this season. And this year, for going into Christmas, this is Christmas series, each week, all the way to Christmas. It'll be finishing on the Christmas services. We're going to cover a, a specific, really, facet of Christmas each weekend, and our goal is to prepare our hearts for the true spirit of Christmas, and that is Jesus. Amen? It's to prepare our hearts. And There's a few topics we're going to cover the next few weeks, but this weekend it starts with a word that almost always brings us to Christmas and what we just heard about, and that is peace. I'm not talking about peace. I'm talking about an inner peace. Amen? Brian's story was so powerful, and that's what this week is all about. It is about peace, and the truth is people want nothing more, if they will admit it or not, than peace in their lives. It's just the truth, because you could have somebody, they could have all of the money in the world, they could, have, they could have a great family, they could have everything, but if they don't have a peace about them, they would trade all that in to actually have a peace. You could probably think back in your life, if you've experienced that peace, maybe when you gave your life to Jesus or you experienced his love for you or you thought about that, if you go back to that day where you realize that and you can remember that peace, I don't know if you're like me, it can almost bring me to tears to think about how everything changed in that moment. Most importantly, the peace that came over me. People strive for peace their whole entire life. There's so many people that are not peaceful, that are in unrest. And I want to look at Luke chapter 2 and Christmas story here as we start this. And we're going to start in verse 8. It says, Now there were many in the same country, shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is called Christ the Lord. Amen. The Christmas story says what it's all about this time of the year. And it says, And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth 
peace, goodwill toward men. That is such a powerful section of Scripture in the Christmas story. Amen? And as powerful as it is, it is possibly also one of the most misunderstood phrases in the whole Christmas narrative. If we don't really get what they're saying here. See, most people... They understand that the declaration that the angel just gave that we just read is peace on earth among men. And if you think that peace on earth among men, that's what the angel was saying, well, that could lead many to start to think to discredit the scriptures because I don't know about you, but to this day, there is not peace among men. Right? There is not peace among men. You, I mean, you just... Listen, if you think that there's peace among people, just go on your social media feed. Just scroll down for like 20 seconds and you'll say, oh, that ain't happening, right? Listen, there's not going to be peace among everybody until Jesus comes back and we're in heaven. So when we think that, when the angel is saying peace among men, if we don't truly understand what they're saying, we can go, wait a second, but I'm not seeing this. And the fact is, the declaration that the angels were actually saying is they said peace on earth, goodwill toward men goodwill toward men. They were saying peace on earth, goodwill toward men, from God to man, not from man to man. The angels were saying goodwill, peace toward men, from God to man, peace. See, that, the great declaration that the angel said, that fulfilled the promise going all the way back, the promise of God stretching back to the book of Genesis in the garden where everything started, that fulfilled that promise that God would one day send a deliverer who would bring back together man and God. Because we know the story, right? And Adam and Eve, they sinned. They sinned came in. Now we were separated from God. And right then, God made the promise that he was going to send a Savior that would restore our relationship with God the Father. And that is what the angels are declaring here when Jesus is born. They're saying the Savior has come, peace on earth, from God toward men toward men. Andrew Womack, he's an amazing Bible teacher, and he said, he put it this way, he said the message of the angels, what they declared was, what they declared was, the war is over, God is not mad at you anymore. God is not mad at you anymore. See, there is people, believe it or not, because maybe you don't feel like it, and you don't realize it, but they think that God is mad about, mad at them, for how they live their life, for what they do, for their past, and people won't even step into a church, because they think, well, i got to get my life right together first. And the truth is, you will never get your life right together until you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, I remember I had a friend, and, and I was talking to him, and I learned, I learned a valuable lesson. <clears throat> if somebody asks you, if they're you know, new, new to the faith or, or whatever, and they're reading the Bible for the first time, and where to start, definitely make sure you tell them to start in the New Testament. For many reasons. Number one, that's what we are living in, is in the New Testament, right? So, that's important. We need to know what it says. The whole Bible is obviously extremely important, and it's good to start in the New Testament because when my friend started in the Old Testament, so he's reading the Old Testament, and if you know the Bible, the Old Testament is a little bit different than the New Testament. God's a little bit different in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament because Jesus hasn't come yet. He didn't bring that peace for us, right? So he's reading all this stuff, and, and a couple weeks go by, maybe a month, and he comes, he says, man, i got to ask you a question. I said, what's up? And he's like, I know, I, know, I know God loves me, and you've told me God loves me, and that's what I'm hearing. But, but I'm reading, God just wiped everybody out with a flood. 
all this is going on god seems pretty angry and he goes he's like he's like and honestly he's like i'm not living right right now i'm trying to but is how does god look at me and i was like first i had to apologize and i was like you know i didn't even think to tell you man you start like in the gospel of john or something because you need to read the new testament then go to old testament because you'll be able to see it with new testament eyes what do i mean by that is you know the end result you know jesus came you can see the old testament differently but the thought of god is he's literally struggled with this like uh, like he in his mind he's like i'm not perfect god's i'm like number one just to, here's a fact you're never going to be perfect all right there's only one perfect person that's jesus two god is not mad at you he's not mad at you and so i was able to break down the new testament jesus paid for that there's peace now god is not mad at you and when somebody hears that there is just oh my gosh you see people literally set free when they realize that god is not mad at them I've seen it. I've heard testimonies. They say, when I found out God is not mad at me and he loves me, my whole life changed. And that's what God is saying here. The war is over. He is not mad at us anymore. He's not mad. See, people cannot be at peace with each other until they're at peace with God. If you really think about it, people cannot be at peace with each other. So it's not peace among men because it can't be in peace among each other if you're not first at peace with God. And the very sound of peace on earth that they said think about it. it brings a it brings a heart for a more calmer stable time of life but we need to make sure that we understand the true biblical definition of peace and what peace is see in life and I, i'm speaking for myself because i've been there before Maybe you're waiting for something in your life to change or something to happen or to meet somebody to go, well, then I'll have peace. So you're kind of waiting for an event to happen, a certain time, a certain event to happen to have peace. But number one, that event already happened for you to be able to have peace. There's goodwill, peace towards men now, towards us. And we base maybe our peace on, well, one day if I get a house, that's when I'll be able to sit down and I'll have peace, right? And some people, peace means the absence of war or conflict. If there's no conflict, if there's no war, well, there's peace. Hey, the nation's at peace. We're not in war. Hey, my family's at peace. We had a dinner together without yelling at each other. We're at peace. And then the next week it changes, right? Have everybody back over and you go, man, we should just do this once a month. No, I'm just kidding, kind of. Anyway, you even see it with countries that are at war. When they stop war, they sign a, tre a peace treaty a lot of the times, right? Treaty of peace to stop the war. Peace if you think about peace, it also can refer to rest. To rest. For example, I hear many people say, man, your kids are gone for the night. Oh, it was a peaceful night, right? That oh, man, it was a peaceful night. What? I had none of the kids were home. I dropped the kids off at youth group. They had like a three-hour event. I had three hours of peace, right? I hear it all the time for parents. They're like, I'll pay whatever you want to take them to camp for a week. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to be peaceful. It's going to be a peaceful at the house. How was it at the house? It was peaceful at the house. Why? There was nobody home but me. We hear that too. And see, the, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines peace as a state of tranquility or quiet. And the Oxford Dictionary defines it, that, defines it as a state of being calm or quiet. See, peace in the Bible is different though. Peace in the Bible is different. Now, I'm not saying those nights aren't peaceful nights if you have the house to yourself. I'm not saying that. Listen, I have a two-year-old right now. If she goes to bed at like 7.30, sometimes I'm like, whoa, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> 
I'm not saying it's not peaceful, but biblical peace, which is most important, is a little bit different because it's more than just the absence of conflict or the absence of strife or a state of rest. It's more than that. It, what it means, it, biblical peace means completeness or wholeness. It means completeness or wholeness, and it points to the presence of something else beyond that, beyond the absence of war violence, beyond the absence of conflict, beyond the absence of rest. It points to something more. Because, see, the other stuff that we can find peace in, that stuff can come and go. Your kids could be gone for three hours. They're coming back. They're coming back, right? You could have no conflict in your family, and I'm not speaking this over nobody's family, but we're humans, we're people. Eventually, if you've got a decent-sized family, there's going to be conflict at some point, unless you don't talk to each other. It's going to come back, but peace is different. And the word peace, it appears 237 times in the Old Testament. And I want to really talk about this, because I want us to, to get to see the Hebrew word translated as peace in the Old Testament is shalom. And a lot of us have heard this. If you watch a lot of Christian movies or shows, they'll go, shalom, they'll say to each other. And according to the Strong's Concordance, what it means is completeness, soundness, and welfare. And it comes from the root word shalom, shalom, sorry, which means to make amends or to make whole or to complete, to be compensated. All right? So this is in the Old Testament. See, shalom it's used often in terms of making restitution. So if you look at, for example, Exodus 22.4. If a man stole an ox or a sheep from his neighbor, under the law he had to restore, or shalom, what he had taken to him. There had to be, there had to be a res restoration there. All right. Or you could say nowadays, we're not trading ox and all that stuff, but if you sold a piece of furniture, until you receive payment for that, you are incomplete. You have not received the payment yet for that furniture that you sold. You've not been compensated. You're missing the value of that furniture. And it's the same concept as shalom, which is the root word shalom. So, therefore, to have shalom means to be in a state of wholeness or completeness without any deficiency or lack. Talking about peace. I want to say that again. It's right here. To have shalom means to be in a state of wholeness or completeness without deficiency or lack. See, shalom, if you look in the Old Testament, it's, a lot of the times it's frequently used to refer to the wellness of others. And in the Jewish culture, people use shalom when they greeted each other. Again, you, if you watch TV shows, movies, Christian shows, you'll see it. They use it as they greeted each other. The expressions, they would say shalom alahim, which means well-being upon you or may you be well. And Jesus and the New Testament writers, they often greeted one another and said that to one another. If you read it with farewell, with peace. And the word peace in the New Testament, now the word peace from the New Testament is from the Greek word irene. And it appears 91 times in the New Testament. If I'm saying some of these words wrong, you've got to bear with me, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I went over them a bunch. And according to Strong's Concordance, that word, that Greek word, translated peace, irene, it means one peace, quietness, and rest. And it originates from the word ero, which means to join or tie together into a whole. So therefore, irene, it means unity. It's bringing multiple parts together to become whole. Multiple parts together to form a whole or set as one again. So for example, if two friends are in a fight with one another, there's conflict, and then they reconcile with one another. What they're doing is they're making irene. That is, they're coming back together, and their relationship is whole. So 
the perfect word, if you think about it, to describe reconciliation, the real message of the angels, goodwill towards men, he's saying God is bringing you back to himself. He's Irene, make whole again. So when we put ourselves in their shoes and we imagine being in that time and we imagine how this message of peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness was received by the shepherds who the angel brought the message to, who were living in a nation at the time occupied by the most powerful, cruelest, and iron-fisted empire of their day. And they get this message, and we need to try to envision ourselves being them, being those people, meant to a people that was given peace towards men. Because they had to bring, a, think about it, these people had to bring a sacrifice every year, year after year, only to walk away without a cleansing from sin, but merely a covering for their sin. Every year they had to bring sacrifices for their sin because they weren't cleansed from their sin. They were covering their sin for a certain amount of time. And now they're hearing this message of peace, of restoring, of shalom, of shalom. And I imagine just being there is because the message, what God is saying, he's saying, hey, God is not mad at you anymore to them. He is not mad at you anymore. And these people, they lived in a time where they had religious leaders just smothering them with guilt and condemnation. Can you think about that for a second? The guilt and condemnation they must have had over their sin. Listen, the truth is, right? If I ask who here has sinned, we'd all raise our hand, right? If I ask, hey, who here has sinned today? We'd all raise our hand probably. If I ask who here has sinned in the last hour, we'd probably all raise our hand. No, in the parking lot or something, I don't know. Anyway, yelling at each other. and then, Oh, hey, how are you? Bless you, bless you. No, I'm just kidding. Or no, when you're leaving. Anyway, but imagine this. Thank God if we know, we know the word of God. We know Jesus has paid for our sin in full. Amen? So when we do fall short, because it says all fall short, all are going to sin. Jesus is the only one who never sinned. Now, now I'm saying that we just take our sin lightly and go, I'm just singing, I'm just sinning. I got the grace, mercy. I'm just going to keep on doing it. No, don't do that because, listen, God wants you to live a good life here on earth and you're going to reap what you sow. But when we sin, we can come right before God wherever we are and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent of doing that. Forgive me. And you can know that you're forgiven. And we don't need to deal with that guilt and condemnation. Although many people will carry that. But imagine being them who they would be sinning in a whole year. This would probably be on their mind. So the next time they can go and offer those sacrifices to cover their sin. And the guilt and condemnation that they must have been feeling in that time. You want to talk about that? There had to be no peace really in them. To go all that time and just hearing from people, you did this, remember you did that, you did this. Yeah, you're going to be in the temple for a while for them sacrifices. You got a lot to ask for forgiveness for. Then you, and then what do you do? You're going in there, and they would just get their sin covered. They would not get it cleansed. So to think about that. And the peace of God is different from the peace of this world. Who here knows that? This world's nuts. If we went by how the world was, if we would have peace, none of us would have peace. But the peace of God is different. It's more than just an absence of conflict. Again, what it is, is it's taking action to restore a broken situation. And that's what God did. He took action to restore a broken situation. It's a state of wholeness and completeness. See, God had to restore our relationship with him because of what happened in the garden. Because of what Adam and Eve and sin came in and we were separated, God had to take action to restore our relationship with him. He didn't have to just take away the conflict. He had to restore the broken situation that was there. See, I've noticed in my life is you can have absence of conflict and yet not have peace. 
And I was really thinking about this. See, just break it down to a human relationship here. And we all have families, so I've been there. See, who here, you've ever been into a fight with a family member before? Right? Everybody, praise God, I'm going to put three hands up and my foot. No. (laughs) See, have you ever noticed, and just maybe this has been you, I'm not going to say how many times it's been me, but did you ever hear of that word like passive-aggressive? A lot of us, like, like, that's what we do. Anyway, so if I had conflict in my family with somebody, right, and then we get together as a family, and we're eating dinner together. Now, there might not be conflict going on at the table, because we're just not talking to each other. So what could seem peace, but in the meantime, I don't have any peace, because I know there's something going on between me and this person, and it's not restored. So even though we're not physically arguing, fighting, calling each other things, whatever it may be. There's not a peace there because you're still going, this person I know is angry at me and this situation isn't dealt with, right? So there's no peace. There could be an absence of conflict yet still not have peace. And we have to make sure we don't do that with God because the truth is God isn't mad at you. So you cannot have any conflict. But if you're still thinking in your heart, man, I did this and how's God looking at me? How's he seeing me? What does he think of me? You're not going to have peace if you don't know the fact that he has came to bring peace. He's not mad at you and Jesus is your savior and Jesus covered your sin. And he, God has restored that relationship through Jesus and what Jesus has done. See, biblical peace, it's very different because biblical peace, you could have peace in the midst of a storm. Just like Brian said in his, in his testimony, how he goes back to that story with Jesus on the waters and, and there's, there's a storm coming, right? And we can look at that as the storms of life for us, right? And, and all the disciples are going crazy. And what is, how is he even sleeping through this? And Jesus was sleeping because he knew what the end result would be. They're going to get through. They're going to make it through. So you could have peace in the midst of trials. You could have peace in the midst of, in the midst of a storm. Why? Because if our peace is based on who Jesus is and him alone, that can't be taken away from us. If our peace is based on the world or a certain situation, that could be taken away from us, right? You could have one good day, and then next thing you know, right, something flies at you from left field that you didn't see, a bill, whatever it may be, and then all of a sudden, if you're basing it on just how, how your life is going in the natural, your peace could be robbed from you. You could give your peace over to somebody else. And that's not what biblical peace is. And I want to read John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, In the same day at evening, see, this is, okay, break down here. Sorry, we're in John now. This is but after Jesus died, he rose again and he came back before he ascended back into heaven. And it says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Why was the very first thing that Jesus said to them after he saw them again, after he was rose from the dead. The very first thing he said was what we were talking about, Shalom Elohim. He spoke. Why did he say that? Peace be with you. Because he spoke to their grieving and their brokenness. Because see, they were incomplete now without the one whom they loved. Jesus was with them and he died. And they see him die. Now they felt broken. And he spoke what they desperately needed. They needed what? Completeness. They needed wholeness. Because fear had now gripped them and their peace was broken. They needed to be, going back to that word, shalom, recompensated for their loss. And that's what Jesus did. He came and he said, peace be with you. Guys, I am alive. 
peace be with you. Have peace. Have peace. Be whole because I am here. And, you know, a lot of the times we see that fear grip them because when we don't have peace, that's when fear can come in. And fear is something that we all deal with, right? If we're going to be honest. Now we got to remember when that comes in that the word says we don't have a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power of love and a sound mind. And if we continue just to keep basing our peace in Jesus, when that fear comes, we can remember, no, I'm going to have peace. Why? Because I know the one who loves me and the one who saved me. And going back to the scripture with the angels, when the angels said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And then in verse 14, remember, it said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, goodwill sorry, toward men. See, that which now has been missing since the garden, all the way in the book of Genesis, has now been restored. They could be whole because the Lamb of God was there. He is here. Jesus is the one who took upon himself all of our sin, all of your sin, your brokenness, your diseases, your, in your body, your soul, has come to earth. All sin, death, poverty, depression will be swallowed up in him. He wants us to bring that all to him. See, peace, shalom, it's completeness, and it's available to anyone who believes. That peace is there for us. That peace is truly there for us. Abundant life is there for us on earth as it is in heaven. It's there for us. And because of Jesus, I want to look at three things that we can now have because of him. Number one, and most importantly, is peace with God. We can now have peace with God. We have peace with God. See why? Because Jesus is our peace. In Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, you've, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've put your faith in him as your Lord and Savior, it says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have peace with God through how good we are people, through our work. No, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, through the Savior. Because see, going back to the garden, Due to our sins. We were enemies with God. Why? Because God is holy. God is holy. And we were separated from him. But Jesus, what did he do? He restored our relationship with him when he died on the cross and he took our sins and then he rose again. So we could have peace with God. We could know that, hey, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you, whenever you take your last breath, many, many years from now, you will be in heaven with God the Father. Because of what you, not because of what you've done, I'm talking about in terms of good works, but because of who you put your faith in. So we could have peace with God. The second thing is we could have peace with others. We could actually have, we could have peace with other people. See, Jesus is our peace with others. If we base our peace with others upon thinking about how Jesus sees them, we could have peace with others. See, because because of Jesus, we could have reconciliation with others. And because of him, we can live at peace and have fellowship with one another. Now, how does he do that? Well, he empowers us by his spirit that lives in us to be peacemakers with our neighbors, our friends, and even our, what we maybe consider somebody to be a foe or an enemy. We could actually bring peace and have peace and have restoration in that relationship because we have the Spirit of God inside of us. And what do I mean by that? Well, listen, if you've had to forgive somebody, I don't know about you, but you, I need Jesus to be able to forgive people sometimes. 
Because if I try to forgive them just based upon myself naturally, I could be bitter, to be honest. I can be that passive-aggressive person. Like, yeah, everything's cool. Yeah, sure. Okay. It's great. I'm fine. No. I could be that passive-aggressive person. I could hold a grudge naturally. But because I know that I have peace because of what Jesus did and his spirit lives inside of me, when I need to forgive somebody, I could forgive them when I decide to look at them how Jesus looks at them and realize this is what God would want. Now, I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do. But praise God, he's always growing us and working on us, right? So we could have peace with others. We could experience forgiveness. We could experience restoration in our, in our, in our relationships, in our marriages. We could experience restoration. And it's not because of our own strength. It's because of who Jesus is and when we put him at the center. Amen? 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. So we can have peace with God because of Jesus. We can have peace with others because of Jesus. And the third thing is we can actually have peace with ourselves. Peace with ourselves. See, again, Jesus is our peace within. And because of him, we've been made a new creation. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been made a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, sin tore a hole in us. Sin tore a hole, but Jesus makes us whole again. Jesus makes us whole again. See, Jesus, when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, he puts us back together. He puts us back together, no matter what our past may look like, no matter the times when we may fall. We can actually have peace with ourselves and not experience guilt and condemnation because we can know the love that he has for us. And it says the old is gone, the new has come. You know that you're the righteousness in Christ. And that's how God sees you. And that is when you can have peace with yourself. See, because of Jesus, I can have peace with my imperfections. You can have peace with your imperfections. Because we all have imperfections, right? We're not perfect. We're not good at everything. And I don't know about you, because I've seen it in my own life for many times I could think about it. And I've talked to people that we harp on our imperfections, and we have no peace because we harp on our imperfections. We start speaking negatively about ourselves. We start calling our things that other pe- ourselves other things that other people wouldn't even call us. Right? I'm going to be honest. I've said it before. Like, I messed up. Like, oh, man, I'm stupid. Oh, I can't do this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not going to be able to do that. And I'm not going to have peace with myself when I realize... Uh, I can actually boast in my weaknesses because that's when Jesus is going to be made strong. And I can have peace with myself because I don't need to be perfect. I don't need to have to be affirmed by somebody else telling me what they think about me because I know about the one who loves me and what he thinks about me. And now I can have peace amongst myself. And the thing I've learned is, see, to have peace with ourselves and peace with others, those two things will not happen if we don't have number one, and that's peace with God. Those other things will not fall into place. So you need to know when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have peace with God. He is not mad at you anymore. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior because you think you're too broken. You think you've messed up too much and you think, well, how can this God love me so much? Well, he came, right? He came to restore that relationship. He sent Jesus to pay for your sins, to die for you because he loved you so much. And you can have peace with God because he is not mad at you anymore. Jesus paid that price. And he came to bring that peace. So you could have peace with God. And because of that, you could have peace with others and peace with yourself. But you won't have the second two without the first one. 
You won't have the second one two without the first one. Why don't we all stand up? See, every one of us here, every one of us watching online, we are all born into a world with sin. And we're born with a sin nature in us. And that sin nature, it truly eats us up from the inside out as it goes on and on. And it robs us of peace. And if we're not careful, it could make us totally unaware of the love that God has for us. And if we want to be complete again, if we want to have that inner deep inner peace again, we got to turn our backs from our old life and turn on to Jesus. So what I want to do here is this. For everybody here and all for watching online, with all heads bowed and eyes shut, I want to give an invitation for maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus. And you want to experience that peace. You've never received him as your Lord and Savior. Well, here's your chance. And again, no, that is not based upon how good you are or what you do. It's based upon your decision to put your faith in Jesus. And it is a decision you need to make here on earth. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision. You prayed that prayer. Maybe it could have been years ago. But right now, maybe you've just fallen away in terms of, yeah, maybe you've sinned and you haven't seen God. You haven't, you haven't seeked him. You've been thinking he's mad at you. You've been thinking that how can this God love me? I keep messing up. I say I'm going to follow him and I keep messing up. And you don't have peace and you just want to recommit your life to him here today. If that's you, either salvation or recommitment, if that's you, just put your hand up. If that's you online, you could click that salvation button as well. Thank you. And thank you. So why don't we pray this prayer? If that's you, your hand's up. Just put your other hand on your heart and pray this with me. Father God, I thank you that you came to bring peace. You sent your son Jesus to go to the cross for my sins, to die for me. And this day, I commit my life to him. I receive him as my Lord and Savior. I receive that peace you have for me. I thank you that my old self is gone and the new has come. Thank you for making me a child of God and bringing peace into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.